Here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. This joyful confidence kept him in difficult times, in times of distress. It really helped him at the crisis moments of life. I believe that we could follow Paul as he followed Christ and we could be marked by a joyful confidence that will mark our lives that will govern the atmosphere that surrounds us. The Apostle Paul had a tough life as he sought to follow Jesus with all his heart. In today's message, Pastor Ed points out that though Paul found hardship and misfortune as he spread the good news of Christ, he never seemed to lose his joy. He never let the situation turn his attitude and even continually remained hopeful despite outward appearances of hopelessness. Paul's joyful confidence, as Pastor Ed describes it, is an attitude that we as Christians can adopt and convey to the world no matter our circumstances. Now, here's Pastor Ed in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 18, with part one of his message entitled, Joyful Confidence. There are life-changing events that forever make us different. I think of young couples when they get married. And you say to the couple, you may kiss your bride for your first time, and they become one. And they walk out of that church different. I think about going into the hospital and visiting a couple. And it's their first child. And they hold that child in their arms. And now they've become mother and a father. That forever changes their lives. The greatest change is when a person accepts Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. Their life is forever changed from that moment on. If any man or any woman be in Christ, they become a new creation. And it was so for the Apostle Paul. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, the first chapter, verse 18. The end part of verse 18. I'm reading from the New International Version, the NIV. Philippians chapter 1, verse 18. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is a gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. 
But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. Paul has a joyful confidence that radiates in his life, that just radiates through him. This joyful confidence kept him in difficult times, in times of distress. It really helped him at the crisis moments of life. I believe that we can follow Paul as he followed Christ and we can be marked by a joyful confidence that will mark our lives, that will govern the atmosphere that surrounds us. It was in Northwestern Hospital in Chicago that Andrew Chong was being operated on. He was a deacon in a church, a very godly man, and he was a physician as well, a surgeon. They had gone in to clear a stint that had become blocked in a prior surgery, from a prior surgery. And in the midst of the surgery, things went awry. He began to bleed profusely. They knew they wouldn't be able to save his life. And his family later gathered around him, his children, his spouse, loved ones. He could see their agony and their distress. He hadn't been able to write very well, but he motioned to them with his hand, and they understood that he wanted a pen. He wrote 12 words in a single column, very slowly, very carefully, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. After he wrote those words, he wrote one more word, and it took him a full minute to write it. Hallelujah. And then he whispered, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Dr. Andrew Chung would go into the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a confidence with which he faced life and now a confidence with which he faced death. He took those words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1. It spoke of Paul's strength. And confidence. And that verse really is the center of verses 12 
through 27. It ties the whole thing together. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is a gain. Paul was confident that in all of his struggles, all of his trials, all of his imprisonments, he would be vindicated. Confident of vindication. Those verses are verses 18 and 19 and 20 where it's, Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. That word deliverance is really the word for salvation, soteria. The idea that it was all going to work out for his salvation. Paul later on says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God that works in you. He recognized that God was working good in him through his difficult situations. He wanted to, in the midst of his trial, exalt Christ. You see, this idea that God would deliver him, that he would exalt Jesus Christ. And he recognized in that, that that was going to be vindication for him. You could see his confidence in deliverance. Again, in verses 18 and 19, Yes, I continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul the Apostle had an inner strength that kept him. An inner strength that carried him through the pressures that tried to push him down and pull him down. He saw God's delivering power in the midst of everything that he was going through. In the midst of every trial that he was facing. He saw it. He experienced it. And he attributed the prayers of God's people for his deliverance. If you look at the text, he says, through the prayers of God's people. Uh, He's recognizing that they're praying for him. Not only did he pray for himself, but he asked others to pray for him. There's power in corporate prayer. Uh, Paul the Apostle says in Romans 15.30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God in my behalf. Paul the, the Apostle, a chosen servant of God, a prayer warrior, asked for people to pray for him. And he continually did that. In the book of Thessalonians, he asked his brethren, pray for me. And second, in 1 Thessalonians, pray for me, brethren. In Ephesians, he says, in 16, 18 and 19, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me. There's something about the prayers of God's people that get us through hard times. You know it, you've experienced, you've felt it. When people have prayed for you and you've been going through a hard time, can't you just sense that? 
He just says, somebody's praying for me. I know that there are intercessors right now. That's why in our church, every Sunday morning during both services, we have people gathered in my office lifting up the service in prayer because it's more than a lecture. It's more than some type of social meeting that we're involved in. It's a spiritual encounter with God. We want God to bless God to work through everything said and everything done so that people have this encounter with Yahweh. So he says, through your prayers. But he also goes on to say, through the Holy Spirit. Now, I like the King James in this portion, the supply of the Spirit. What Paul is saying is that the Holy Spirit supplies him with strength with fresh infillings and fresh anointings. We need that. In Ephesians 5.18 it says, Be filled with the Spirit. And the tense of the words means keep on being filled. In the book of Acts, we're told that they were filled in chapter 2 and then in chapter 4 and again and again they were filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit last year's filling will not do for today we need these continual infillings of the Spirit as we face the crises of life in First John John says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world he's referring to the Holy Spirit when the pressures of life close in and press in and press down upon you when the Spirit of God fills you you're able and you're sustained Paul would stand before Caesar's court and give a defense filled with the Spirit Paul would experience beatings and abuse but he was filled with the Spirit. And so he was able in the midst of all of those things to overcome, to rise up above. We need what Paul had and Paul experienced. God works deliverance, vindication for his people, salvation for his people through the prayers of the people of God. And through the continual infillings of the Holy Spirit. But Paul went into this trial with this mindset to magnify the Lord. Uh, you see the text, confident that Christ will be exalted in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. That was central to Paul, that Christ would be exalted. In the midst of that, he wanted people to see his Savior in his life, in his death. He was trying to point people to Jesus. That was important to him. Now, some translations use the word magnify. And I think of that telescope when you look at some distant star or planet or solar system and it brings it closer that you could see it. To some people, God is so distant and so far. But in your crisis, in your prison experience, in the battle that you go through, when you exalt Christ, when you magnify Christ, you bring him to them through 
your faith and trust. They see Christ in you as you trust the Lord through that trial. God is glorified in your life and people are drawn to Christ. That's what Paul the Apostle is saying. In the midst of everything that he's going through, his desire is to lift Jesus higher, to exalt the Lord. Uh, You've seen it. You've experienced. You get a glimpse of God by watching someone else in the midst of their trial and disappointment. They're going through hard times, but their faith, their trust, they're leaning on the Lord. You feel God's presence in their life and through their life. That's what was happening in Paul. The guards that were chained to Paul, the visitors that came to meet him, the people that observed him, they saw something different in him. That was the presence of Jesus. So he said, I'm going to be vindicated. That's what it meant. My deliverance, this idea that God would vindicate him. Remember Job and the comforters that came and began to speak. Job, there's some hidden sin. That's why you're suffering. Paul actually echoes Job's words. You could see it in the Septuagint. He's actually quoting Job in these verses and he's saying... God's going to vindicate me. He will vindicate Paul through his life, but he will ultimately vindicate him in the day of judgment, where at times there were things that just didn't make sense to the people around. When they looked at Paul's life, they couldn't figure out why he went through this, why he went through that, why this happened to him. But in that last day, God himself will put all the pieces of the puzzle together. There will be a clear picture And we'll understand it better by and by, as the song says. We'll understand it more clearly. And so Paul was confident that God was going to deliver him, that God would vindicate him. And it was going to happen as he prayed and others prayed for him, as he was filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit, as he took that trial and that trial came knocking on his door and he says, how can I magnify Christ? How can I exalt Christ in the midst of what I'm suffering? He was confident of his vindication, but he was also confident in life and death. In verse 21, perhaps one of the most well-known verses in the book of Philippians. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is a gain. For Paul, living was all about Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what life was to him. He would have liked the acronym WWJD. He would have liked that logo. What would Jesus do? Because that's how Paul the Apostle lived his life. He lived it in fellowship with Christ. Christ guiding, directing his steps. You know, religion, Christianity, is more than a set of doctrines, statements of faith. Paul was a theologian. He believed in doctrine. He believed in sound doctrine. He told us, in fact, in the last days, some people would depart from sound doctrine. And he warned us to hold fast to the truths handed down to us. Uh, But Paul 
didn't stop there. It's not a set of beliefs that we give mental assent to. It's a relationship. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is what Christianity is. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What would happen in our lives? What would happen in this church? What would happen in the Christian world if we took these 12 words? For me to live is Christ. To die is a gain. If we took them seriously and we began to live out Paul's motto, you could see it. Life for him was Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, 22 to 24, If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. He opens up his thinking to us. He he shows this quandary that he's in. He, He... reveals to us this debate that's going on inside of him. I want to be with God. I want to be with them. It's really better to be with Jesus. But yet, it's helpful, it's fruitful for the people of God that I'm there. You know, the Bible talks about Christians being like trees planted in the house of God. And it tells us to bear fruit. I think some Christians are more like Christmas trees. They have lots of ornaments on, but they really don't bear fruit. We're called to be fruit-bearing Christians. The fruit of the Spirit is to be reflected in our lives. How would you define your purpose in life, your reason for being? Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Let's just work through an exercise. In your mind, take a piece of paper. What would you fill in? For me to live is. What would you put there? Uh, For me to live is work. For me to live is my family. For me to live is accomplishments. I want to accomplish something. Uh, for me to live is to golf. <laughs> well, what does it mean for you to live? What's the purpose that your life revolves around? What are you anchored to? What drives you, directs you, determines what you do, what you don't do? For Paul, it was this for me to live. It's Christ. It's Jesus. For some to live is serving in the church. No. That's what makes it so hard for us when it comes time to go home to be with God. For me to live is Christ. See, for Paul the Apostle... Living was about Jesus. Living was about fellowship with Him. His joy was His relationship to Jesus. And so when He thought about death, He thought, I'll see Him. I've lived for Him. I'll see Him. I've walked with Him. I'll go to Him. And so there was this joyful anticipation that someday He'd be with Christ. And 
That's what life was. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful truth taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verse 6. And as trying times enter into your life, it's important to continually keep this at the forefront of your thoughts. Each day here on Voice of Faith, Pastor Ed will be teaching verse by verse through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. Thanks for joining us today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. To stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Voice of Faith, subscribe to our Twitter feed at VOF Radio 1. Again, to follow the Voice of Faith Twitter feed or to access the archive of messages, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Voice of Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Voice of Faith.